I have to make a confession that on reading the gospel for today, the gospel pericope, pericope for today, I asked myself, what made Jesus choose Peter, John, and James to be witnesses to the transfiguration? I have a feeling, but don't, you don't have to tell anyone. This is just my feeling. You can share it or you can disagree. I have a feeling that Jesus had an inner circle. And the inner circle were the three guys that were mentioned in the gospel. Peter, John, and James. And here's why. Whenever Jesus wanted to share something special, these were the three guys he took with him. And when he wanted to introduce something different, something that was greater than they could imagine, these were the three guys he took with them. Now, I'm not saying that they were his favorites. You can make that judgment for yourself. But these guys, Peter, James, and John, were part of the inner circle. Jesus' inner circle. Now, having said that, I have to say also that if I were one of the other disciples, I would have really felt a little excluded. Uh, in fact, I might have been a little annoyed that Jesus chose those three and not me, right? Especially for pivotal events in his life, like the transfiguration. And I might have even protested. Now, we are at the conclusion, towards the conclusion of Black History Month, and we are made, to, we are, we are made aware in this month of feelings of exclusion. Everyone does not have the same opportunities. African Americans view the lack of access to health, for example, health care, as being harmful to their physical, their mental, their social, their spiritual, and their financial well-being. And consequently, they protest having to miss out on important milestone or significant events or opportunities to improve their lives. Protesting functions to call awareness to a need and to inspire meaningful change. We saw protests against the vaccine, against wearing masks, against lockdowns, and now we're seeing protests against the war in Ukraine. Luke says nothing about the disciples protesting. That's my imagination at work. 
But one could only imagine that explanations were given or questions answered on those occasions when Jesus took Peter, John, and James on special missions. On the mountain of transfiguration, Peter, John, and James saw Jesus like they'd never seen him before. Luke does not use the word transfigured, but that is what the disciples described. The Greek word metamorpho means to transfigure. And it is the same root for the word metamorphosis. Jesus' appearance changed, and notice in the reading of the text that it did not change because something acted on him, but rather it changed from the inside out. He shone like the sun from the inside out. He glowed, and such was his brilliance that it is described as dazzling. The disciples, these three, had a proleptic glimpse of his resurrection glory. I believe this is remarkable. And what's interesting is that they did not need a veil. They did not need a veil. It's remarkable because in the Old Testament, God said to Moses, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live in Exodus 33 and verse 20. And yet Moses encountered God, albeit God's backside. I didn't say that. You know, they could have said the back of God, but text says God's backside. So that's what I'm saying. That he encountered God, albeit God's backside, and he reflected the glory of God that he had to cover his face when in the company of his people, he had to wear a veil. The God-man, Jesus, his glory was veiled from human sight. But on the mountain, he removed the veil. He showed his glory to the three disciples. Now, I want you to know that Seeing is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah, seeing is good, but seeing can also be bad. It can be a blessing, or at times it can be a curse. Jesus does not promise to show us that which will always be pleasing. The disciples who did not experience Jesus' transfiguration firsthand know something about that. And Peter, John, and James, who had a first-hand experience of the transfiguration, described moments of awe 
But we must also remember that they also describe moments of terror, of fear. Clearly, Jesus is for everyone without exception. The transfiguration was a foretaste of the resurrection. It aroused greater admiration for Jesus as the divine in human flesh. For Jesus showed his resurrection glory and in so doing aroused hope of sharing eternal life. Jesus' transfiguration pointed to the most exciting outcome of his earthly life, the resurrection. And he desires everyone to experience the resurrection life. The people of Ukraine would welcome a glimpse of God's glory today. They would welcome a glimpse of God's, God's glory during these uncertain times. In grief, as they bury their dead, are denied self-rule, and live under and occupying foreign power, nothing seems real. It feels like a shock. There's pain and there's anger and there are questions. There's no mountain top experience here that arouses admiration. In fact, if there's anything, there is disgust and outrage and a desire for change. Change for what they see is the devastation of their own people, devastation of property, and of a nation. And this is evil. Our Ukraine sisters and brothers need assurance. Assurance that they're not alone. Tangible assurance that they're not alone. They need assurance that Jesus Christ hears their cries and sees their suffering in the same way he saw the man who begged him to look at his possessed son. And like the three disciples who wanted to stay on the mountain but were led down by Jesus, seeing Jesus changes us to be in solidarity with the suffering, to oppose evil, and to work for the freedom of all. Jesus never promised that life would be rosy. He promised, however, that he will be with us always in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. And so he is with us in our joys and he's with us in our sufferings. Also, it is worth remembering that he is a place of refuge and strength for those who feel alienated, oppressed, abused, forsaken. 
your life might not matter to some. But to God, it is precious. And more so, precious because of Jesus' promise. For Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I read that in light of what's happening in, in Ukraine. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. These are Jesus' words in John chapter 10 and verse 10. So we've got work to do as a people who cherish freedom and protect freedom with all that we have. We must help the people of Ukraine. Not just with our prayers, but with tangible action. That they too might enjoy and live in the freedom that God gives through Jesus Christ. We look to Jesus for inspiration. We guided by the power of the Holy Spirit to act. And we use the means that God has given us to so bring the relief that others need in Ukraine and in other parts of the world, including here in America. Amen.